Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Pro Football Talk Live. Big Cat in the building. I'm Mike Florio. It is NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland. Enjoying the program on Sky Sports. I desperately need to have this week come to an end so I can get my voice back in time for Monday. Fighting a little bit of something. Hopefully I'll fight it off by the time we head to Miami. Maybe the warm weather down there will will be conducive to speaking like a normal human being. Big Cat, uh, how are you? I'm feeling great. I feel bad that you're not feeling great. But, you know, it's good that you got sick this week and not next week. No, I care. I care about you. Mike, I care about the health of of players, the league, you. That's my priority right there. One, two, three. Thank you. You also care about the health of your wallet as it relates to the wagers you'll be making, and you surely will be making plenty of them next week as it relates to the Super Bowl. The William Hill Sportsbook has put out its comprehensive list of Super Bowl prop bets, and there are some obvious ones. There are some kooky crazy ones that cross over between sports but let's go through some of the ones that are out there and let's let's start with uh the more basic ones over under not total for the game over under for the individual teams they've got the over under set the william hill sportsbook does for san francisco at 27 points over under and I, it's a stupid question because i know that you always bet the over are you comfortable with 27 points from the 49ers or more in super bowl 54 Absolutely comfortable with this. I like the over in the game. I like the over in both, you know, team totals. The the 49ers, their rushing attack, and I know everyone's going to talk about uh, the Chiefs and what they've done the last six games against teams that are trying to run the ball, and they've looked a lot better. And you have a little bit, Mike, uh, of vibes of the Colts when they won the Super Bowl, unfortunately against the Bears, where their defense was bad all year, and then all of a sudden it was great in the playoffs. I still think the 49ers – We'll be able to get whatever they want on the ground all day. And Jimmy Garoppolo, if he has to throw, he'll throw too. So it's uh, – I'm going to say that the 49ers are going to score 30, 34 points. So easy over. 
You're coming dangerously close if we continue this to giving us your advanced predicted score for the Super Bowl, which would mean your winner and whether or not the team will cover mm-hmm. the spread. I tend to th- I want a high-scoring Super Bowl, so I'll say over just because I want it to be. I, li- I like it when both teams are in the 30s. I don't like it when both teams are in the 40s. That's too much. But I like 34-31, 35-32. That would be a great Super Bowl if it would happen. So I'll go ahead and say over just because I want to preserve my hope that it will be a high-scoring, exciting game. Let's move on to Kansas City. William Hill Sportsbook has the over-under for the Chiefs at 27.5. Are you over or are you under? I am over again, and I agree with you. I want a high-scoring Super Bowl. Last year, I bet the over. I missed it by about 45 points. That stunk. <laughs> so I would like for the over to hit here, and I, I think the Chiefs will, similar to the 49ers, be able to get whatever they want. And that, I mean, we talked about it in the first hour, but – when you're guarding the Chiefs, you can stop one guy. You can say, hey, we're going to eliminate Travis Kelsey. You can't stop all of them. And guess what? You can't stop Patrick Mahomes for 60 minutes. He will have some big plays. They will be able to get that home run ball at some point. It's just something that they've been able to do throughout you know, Patrick Mahomes' last two years. And the, the style of football, the, the level of he, that he's playing at right now, shows me that he will be able to hit that home run ball. They will be able to move the ball and it's more of a can you stop them in the fourth quarter when it's a tight game than can you keep them under 27.5 points? The answer to that is no. At what point in the Super Bowl last year did you give up on the over? When did you know you had no shot? Uh, I was probably like halfway through. It was probably three-quarters way through the first quarter. I was like, you know what? This was really, really stupid. But I've said this before, Mike. If you're going to lose, lose in historically awful fashion. And that's what I did. I lost in such comically awful fashion where I missed the over-under by so many points. I, and it was the low, wasn't it the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time? It, it was, was right? It. it was close to I, it. No, I yeah. think it was. 16 I think total it, points. Yeah, I think it was the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. Guess what? Someday, I'm going to be bouncing my grandkids on my lap and be like, guess what? Your granddad, he bet the over in the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. Isn't that fascinating? And they'll be like, what's the Super Bowl? We don't even, football doesn't even exist anymore or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, It it reminded me the way it unfolded last year of Super Bowl 38. Remember the uh, the Carolina Panther New England Patriot game? It was scoreless deep into the first half and they ended up scoring uh, a total of 61 points in that game. They, and, and all the scoring was in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. There were no points in the first quarter or the third quarter of that game. So you never know when it's going to explode. I think the Chiefs will be over. I, I, you know, I, I, I go back and forth on who's going to win the game. I was, I was committed to the 49ers after uh, conference championship weekend. And, of course, I'm going, to, I'm going to change my mind and unchange my mind and rechange my mind between now and then. But I do hope both teams are over. I want it to be an exciting high-scoring game and uh, definitely more high-scoring than last year's 16 total points. All right, over-under total sacks by the 49ers, two and a half. What do you got? Ooh. I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under because I think Patrick Mahomes – I mean, Patrick Mahomes not only has mobility running outside the pocket, but – he has that ability to slide, to move where, you know, we, we always talk about Tom Brady and how Tom Brady is a mobile quarterback even though he doesn't run. That's kind of like Patrick Mahomes in that he can feel the pressure. He does a great job of drifting in the pocket and getting rid of the ball. So I'll go under here. Yeah, I agree with you. And and uh, the uncanny ability also of Patrick Mahomes. There was a play last week, Big Cat, where the, the, the end result was nothing. It was an incomplete pass. 
but he had like 10 seconds to throw. And he never stands still in the pocket. He's never comfortable. Mm-hmm. He's always moving. So you, you can never get a beat on him. He's always moving around, and I think he's got far more athletic ability than the guys who are going to be chasing him. I don't think they're going to be able to get to him. That was the one thing I was very surprised the Packers failed to do last week. They kept putting Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. you got to keep moving. You're going to get swallowed up by that front four if you just drop back three or five steps and wait. They're going to get you. You have to constantly move, and Mahomes will. So I'll go under as well. How about this one? I'm surprised it's this high. Jimmy Garoppolo pass attempts over under of 30. Are you kidding me? Ooh, that's, that seems wrong. You know what that is, Mike? That's free money. So it probably is wrong because anytime you see something like this and you say that's free money, I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan will come out and, and throw the ball 45 times and we'll all look foolish. That's crazy. That's a crazy number right there. Now, you know, I guess the only way that it would get over 30 is if the Chiefs build a lead. But but when have the Chiefs, Chiefs built a lead other than when they – they scored, uh, you know, 51-7 to against the Texans. But I'm talking about early in a game to the point where it would force the 49ers to abandon the run. I don't I, – I just – I don't see the 49ers coming out and getting stonewalled with their running game and falling behind by 14, 17, 21 points. And all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo has to be like Andrew Luck in that playoff game when the Chiefs blew the 28-point lead seven years ago. I don't see that happening. I, I think 30 if, – if the 49ers are throwing the ball 30 times – they have a huge, huge problem. Yeah, something something went wrong there. So I, I'd agree with you. I'm taking under, and I'm going to question even if that line is real because that's an easy under. under. All right, what happens first? A Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown, that's minus 180, or a Garoppolo interception, that's plus 160. Obviously, Vegas thinks a touchdown is going to come from Garoppolo before a pick. What do you think? I'll take the I'll take the plus money here and say an interception. Why not? I mean, that's uh, minus 180 is a lot of juice to lay, and I understand the reasoning. You're going to say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not going to take many risks. He's probably going to try to play a more conservative game. Kyle Shanahan's going to call a game where Jimmy Garoppolo is not exposed in any way, so the chances of him throwing an interception are minimized. But with those type of numbers, I would take interception and hope you get a tip ball. Hope you get something where he, you know, or maybe he doesn't even throw a a touchdown. Maybe they're running the ball in the red zone so much that you have all game to get just that one interception. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one, especially because of the difference between the odds. Minus 180 for the touchdown. I'll take the plus 160. I'll take my chances there because I think it's a much closer proposition than Vegas is making it out to be. Raheem Mostert rushing yards. He had 220 and four touchdowns against the Packers in the NFC Championship. He's at 70.5 over under. What do you got? I'm taking the over here. And and when we were talking about the rushing attack for the 49ers uh, in the last hour, they're able to get to the edge. They're able to do these outside zone runs where I don't think the Chiefs have what it takes to be able to stop that for the entire game. The Chiefs defense, I'm, I'm going to give them credit. They looked great against Derrick Henry. They've looked a lot better this postseason than they did last year. They have a little six-game stretch going right now where they have rounded into form and they're playing good team defense. I just think what, with what Kyle Shanahan will draw up, with the way the 49ers block and the way they run the ball, I mean, with 70 and a half yards, you just need one big one to break. And I'm not talking about a 70-yarder. I'm talking about break a 35-yarder and he's going to get there with the rest of the the game to go. So I would take the over in this. Yeah, I'm taking the over as well. I mean, those 220 yards were not grinded out, break tackles uh, 
induce pain and suffering type runs. He was untouched or close to untouched all the time. He just blasted through the holes. So I think to get to 70 is going to be very easy. And and again, we're going to know early on whether or not the Chiefs can stop that running game. And if they can't stop it early, they're not going to be able to stop it late. And what it becomes basically is a basketball game between one team that runs a fast break and the other team runs the four corners. That's what it's going to potentially turn into. But the Chiefs are going to score their points. The 49ers are going to score theirs. And I think most of it's going to have more than 70 rushing yards. How about Patrick Mahomes' longest completion over under 40.5? Oh, I'll take the over on that. Richard Sherman struggles with the type of receivers that the Chiefs have. The, the Chiefs are a team that will continually take shots deep you're telling me that Miko Hardman or Tyreek Hill is not going to get loose, get behind the defense for, for at least one point in the game? I would take over 40-and-a-half definitely for this one. Yeah, I agree with you as well. I mean, we saw the 60-yarder last week. I believe it was to Sammy Watkins for a touchdown. At some point, it's going to pop. It's inevitable. And that's the thing. These, these clashing offenses, they're, it feels like they're both going to work. The question is how they're going to work the clock, how they're going to work the possessions, who's going to who's going to break serve once to to stop the other offense. But I feel like both offenses are going to get their yards and their points. Just one's going to do it more quickly than the other. And Mike, even with this 40 and a half number, I like it even if it's not a deep pass, a you know, like let's bomb one down to Tyreek Hill. Because if the 49ers keep everything in front of them and they give them easy 10, 15 yard completions. The Chiefs receivers are shifty and fast enough that a 15-yard completion with a couple blocks can easily be a 45-yard completion with the yards after catch. All right, a couple more of these before we break. Over under Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards, 29 and a half. He's been in the 50s each of the last two games, leading rusher for the Chiefs in the playoffs so far in each of those games. What do you have? I'm going to take the under here just because I think if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you want to protect Patrick Mahomes as much as possible. You don't want to let him get downfield and maybe have the 49ers be like, hey, we can get a shot on him here. So I'm going to take the under here, keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, knowing that maybe some game plans that have been exposed this week say that they would take that extra shot. The other thing, too, is they got a spy. They got a spy that I think will be better than a Rashawn Evans was. For the Tennessee Titans, he fell victim to that full-body head fake that popped the 27-yard touchdown. You know, whether it's a Quan Alexander, whether it's a Dre Greenlaw, one of their linebackers, I think, will be better suited to get to Patrick Mahomes if he tries to run. And I think he just he keep it alive behind the line of scrimmage long yeah. enough for one of your guys to get open. They, they, they are more likely to get open down the field against the 49ers secondary. So uh, get you know, he's done enough the last two games to get the 49ers thinking about the run, and that may be enough to allow one of those four guys, as you said earlier, inevitably one of those four guys is going to pop wide open if you buy him enough time from the pass rush, and I think Mahomes can. Well said, Mike. I agree. Keep him in the pocket. Safe. Nice and snug. Thank you. All right. I, I know what you're trying to do. No, I'm not trying and, to do anything. I uh, literally mean that. All I know is I will see you next week. And as you've learned the hard way, I am not as short as I look. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Green to be a part of this franchise moving forward. Um, <laughs> you have to ask Drew that. I think you want you want him back. Uh, yeah, obviously. Is that market one that's kind of interesting to try to figure out what it is exactly? Yeah, right? I, I don't know that I want to make any comments about that. Um, you know, I think the first thing is, you know, it's clear we'd love to have Drew back, and if he wants to be back, then we'll go from there. So. 
I mean, I'm assuming that he does. Mickey Loomis, Saints GM. You know, I try to read the body language. There's a little narrowing of the eyes when he says, yeah, obviously. You know, the choices are potentially Breeze and not Taysom Hill, Breeze and Taysom Hill, or Taysom Hill and not Breeze. And I think that's part of the calculus here for the Saints. Can they pay Breeze? Can they absorb the dead money, $20 million plus, that's still going to be on the cap, and they could push it into future years? And can they find a way to keep Taysom Hill without exposing him to restricted free agency where someone can make an offer that maybe they won't match? So I think it's more complicated than just Breeze. I think they want to keep both, and it's going to be a challenge to do it. So Drew Breeze said on Thursday, Big Cat, at this stage of my career, it's not a given that I come back every year, but when that time comes, I'll always be a saint. And he made it clear yesterday his choices are saints, or retire. So when you hear that from Loomis, you hear that from Breeze, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Surprising, honestly. And and I, I actually think Drew Breeze should consider retirement just with the way these last few seasons have ended. Obviously, some of them have not been the Saints' faults, and, you know, they, they got screwed by the refs and the Minneapolis miracle. But I'm surprised simply because I thought Drew Breeze was in the Tom Brady camp where he was very firmly saying, I want to keep playing for another three, four years, and, you know, he he faded a little bit at the end of this year, he faded a little bit at the end of last year, but he still put up numbers that make him better than half of, you know, half, even maybe two-thirds of the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position. So I was slightly surprised to hear Drew Brees seemingly actually thinking about this and, and considering retirement. I, I, I just kind of assumed he was going to play next year, just like I assume Tom Brady's going to play next year. So slightly surprised. The word for me is transition. Because if he does play, I think we will see more Hill and less Breeze. When we played after the wild card game, the clip of Drew Breeze with the fumble in the fourth quarter when Daniil Hunter got after him and it, it just felt inevitable the Saints were going to take the lead and win the game, the the Paul Allen play-by-play begins before the snap with Paul Allen saying, I can't believe I'm saying I'm relieved that Drew Brees is back in the game, right? They have a weapon in Taysom Hill. And if Drew Brees stays, he has to be willing to surrender more of his reps to Taysom Hill. And and that's what he's got to ask himself. Do I want to be paid accordingly as not part-time big cat, but kind of 75%, 80% of the time? and that we're going to see more Hill to keep him happy and to keep him here through this transition period. But I feel like if Breeze stays, it will be a transition period, not where there's co-starting quarterbacks, but we're going to see more Hill and necessarily less Breeze because Hill was the best guy in the field in their playoff loss. He was the best guy for either team that day. And if Breeze is going to stay, he's got to accept that. Yeah, and are we forgetting, too, Teddy Bridgewater didn't lose as a starter. So the Saints have some interesting... Things that they have to think about here, especially with Drew Brees seemingly, like I said, kind of considering this for the first time. I feel like I haven't seen that type of language from Drew Brees, so it feels like he at least is acknowledging that it's a possibility he could retire. If they keep all three of those guys, Brees, Bridgewater, and Hill, that will be one of the all-time great pre-free agency coups where they line it up and get them all re-signed because all three have expiring contracts. The only difference is Hill's a restricted free agent. If they can keep all three guys, that will be amazing. All right, Joe Namath told ESPN that he thinks if Tom Brady leaves the Patriots, he'll have similar regrets that Joe Namath did after he went 
to the Rams following his time with the Jets. I wish I knew what I learned in making that transition before making it, meaning it turned out to be a very difficult transition. Your thoughts when you hear what Joe Willie Namath had to say about wrapping up his career with the then L.A. Rams and again now L.A. Rams. I, I think it's spot on or correct. I don't know what the actual word you want to use here, but Tom Brady, when you look around the league, you know, the Patriots need Tom Brady. Tom Brady needs the Patriots. It would be foolish, I think, for him to go anywhere else, to try anywhere else, to prove what? You know, the, the, the narrative that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are basically trying to prove they can do it without the other person, I think that's probably a little overblown. I think they look around the league and they say to themselves, we are still one of the best teams in the league. If we can get a couple weapons on offense, if we can get this you know, back together quickly, next year we are competing. And I think that's where it comes down to the most important part of this whole Tom Brady free agency. I, he does want to be a free agent. He wants to be a free agent for the first time in his career. But ask yourself this, Mike. The Patriots, do they still have a championship window with Tom Brady? The answer is yes. So it makes no sense for him to go somewhere else or for, for the Patriots to look somewhere else for a quarterback. Tom Brady going where? What other team has a championship window that needs a quarterback right this second? Can you name one? And if you say the Chargers, I'm going to jump across this screen and strangle you. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Eli Manning making his exit. And look, I had a feeling when we saw him wrap up that, that limited run, that farewell tour, with a couple of weeks left in the regular season, gets out at 500, 117, and 117. I had a feeling we weren't going to see him again. He's not going to want to move. He doesn't want to be a backup. No one was going to offer him the clear-cut starting job and the money that goes along with it, so it's time for Eli Manning to move on. So today's draft, the best moments of Eli Manning's career. Chris, you have the question for me. If I get the trivia question right, I get the first pick. Otherwise, it's you. I think we know what the first pick is going to be either way. So the stakes are high, higher than usual for this Trivia question. What do you got? All right. Eli Manning is retiring after 16 years in the NFL. Eli was originally drafted by the Chargers, as you know, and then traded to the Giants. Who, Mike, who was the last number one overall pick to be traded? Not on draft day or anything like Eli, but who's the last number one pick of the draft to be traded? You mean traded after he was picked or the number one pick no, being traded? after he's picked. It doesn't mean it could have been the third year, the fourth year of his career. Alex Smith. Uh, very close, but wah, wah, wah. Uh, we had one this year. You're forgetting Jadeveon Clowney was traded from the Houston Texans to the Seattle Seahawks. He was a number one pick. Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Suck it, Florio. Eat it. Here we go. You ready? (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, you're right. The 2007 Super Bowl championship. All right. Uh, That is the best moment of Eli Manning's career. I mean, let alone it was an epic playoff run and they had played. Okay. The New England Patriots in week 17 and played them closely and gave them a, a little bit of an issue. Uh, but ultimately that Super Bowl 42 is what took Eli Manning into another stratosphere as a quarterback, as a player Under, until 2007. And that year, I mean, Hey, there was questions in the 2007 season of whether we should bench Eli, should Eli get benched and things like that. But he played amazing football and the biggest moment of his career at that point and beat the undefeated new England Patriots who looked unstoppable really all year long and made one of the great 
plays in Super Bowl history with the David Tyree and then, of course, the Plaxico Burress touchdown to win the football game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the all-time great moments in NFL history. It's the obvious number one. And hell, why wasn't I thinking of Jadavian Clowney? All right. Uh, for me, it's the Mario, Man- Mario Manningham throw in Super Bowl forty-six. It it was every bit as impactful. It was every bit as meaningful. It fueled the drive that ultimately won the game for the Giants, and he was threading a needle. It was a great catch by Mario Manningham, but for Eli Manning to be able to put it there, yeah. how far it traveled through the air, how it just kind of came right in. Look at that. He's got a guy in his face and just drops it in between two guys. That was a thing of beauty, and that helped the Giants get Super Bowl win number two. It helped Eli get MVP number two. And I think that, from a substantive football standpoint, is the thing that gets him into Canton. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that, that throw there alone probably gets him in it altogether because if that's not completed, uh, most likely the Patriots win that football game, and that's that. So I hear you. That was another, another clutch performance by Eli. I think, you know, the consecutive starts thing or something I got to talk about when the best moments of Eli Manning's career. I mean, you know, you always hear the old phrase, like the best ability is availability, right? Well, Eli Manning was always available. Now, was it as courageous of a start, you know, consecutive starting streak as like as Brett Favre, who played the game much more physically than Eli Manning? Uh, No, but still, nonetheless, what was it, 207 starts in a row? Something like that? I mean, that's just that's astounding to be able to do that, to be able to stay upright, healthy week after week. I mean, that talks about the, the talent, the toughness of the player as well. And, you know, the feel, the feel of the player to know, oh, these guys are around me or I'm going to get hit like this and the ability to protect all of those things uh, are, are speak to the player Eli Manning was. And uh, I think that's one of the more impressive things he did in his career was was play that many games in a row. That's the thing we take for granted. That's the thing that I think is a critical aspect of a franchise quarterback. That's part of the value, the great value of Dak Prescott. Four years, never missed a game. You know, as the Patriots decide what they're going to do next, whoever they get next, a guy that they believe will be durable. Because remember when Tom Brady was suspended in 2016, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, Jacoby Brissett was banged up, Tom Brady has found a way to stay healthy all these years, except for the fluke ACL tear week one of 2008. That is a key component. And for Eli Manning, you just take it for granted. The guy's there every week. He shows up every week. It's okay, but you don't realize it until he's not there. When he is there, no big deal. Well, it is a big deal because the alternative uh, for a lot of teams is going to be a big drop-off. All right, for me, this goes all the way back to draft day. He did something that only two high-profile quarterbacks have ever done, which is telling the team that held the first overall pick in the draft, don't bother. John Elway did it to the Colts, ending up with the Broncos instead. And Eli Manning did it to the Chargers. He didn't want to go to the Chargers. Now, look, one of the reasons he didn't want to go to the Chargers, and this story has kind of trickled out over time, when he visited the Chargers, he got mixed signals about whether or not they really wanted him. That was when they had Marty Schottenheimer and A.J. Smith, coach and GM respectively. They didn't see eye to eye, and he wasn't sure that they really wanted him. They had Drew Brees at the time. So that's part of the reason why he didn't want the Chargers. Archie ran interference for Eli so he wouldn't look like he was being, you know, a brat or, or you know, being a, a guy who would push against the system, although I encourage guys to push against the system. I don't like the fact that the draft dictates where the best players go. I like it when they have power and they use it, and Eli did. And there he was, if you're watching on TV, as a charger for a brief moment in time before he was traded to the New York Giants. So I love the fact And it was such an eventful day when Eli Manning made it clear to the Chargers, I'm not coming. They drafted him. 
The Giants drafted Phillip Rivers. The deal was done. And now both guys moving on from those teams in the same offseason. Yeah, that was a that was hey, that was a career defining moment before your career even started. Yeah, they you know, the Manning family, uh, they're smart. They're intelligent. They read the tea leaves the right way there. And they didn't like the situation in the San Diego at that time. Probably realized there was too many moving parts. Probably scared, like, what if Drew Brees has a great year this next year? Does Eli become the starter? When does he become the starter? So uh, that was that was a power play move by a powerful NFL family. And it all worked out in the end for Eli Manning and the Mannings in general. All right. I mean, hey, listen, I could talk about more games with Eli Manning. But I, I really think this, this goes a long way to me. When you talk about the best moments of Eli Manning's career, I'm going to talk about his acting in commercials. I mean, to me, that's where, like, he became humanized and where I really, like, went another level in liking Eli Manning. I mean, there's just so many things, whether it's the dirty dancing with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, come on, that's hilarious. He had like the fantasy football rap video, right, with his brother. That was as funny as it gets. Some of those ESPN commercials where they're kicking each other in the butt and giving each other wet willies in the ears and all those kind of things. I mean, he's a very funny, funny guy. And as you see right here, the fact that he's on his knees doing dirty dancing and doing a whole dance like Patrick Swayze is hilarious. And I I really that made me respect Eli to another level. Yeah, and I mean, he, because he he's so much more reserved than Peyton, but he's got the same chops when it comes to acting and comedy. And you know, we really don't know what Eli's going to do next. But just like with Peyton, I feel like whatever he chooses to do, he'll be successful. Even though he's more reserved, even though outwardly he's more muted, I think he's still got a lot of the same qualities and talents and characteristics of Peyton. And yeah. I think he'll be around. Uh, at least as much as Peyton has been around. Then again, Peyton in four years hasn't been around nearly as much as we thought he would be, although he's still a heavy presence in commercials. All right, for me, I thought you were going to take my last one because for me, it's also a non-playing characteristic of Eli Manning. He split the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award with Larry Fitzgerald after the 2016 season. He has been a great voice and a great fundraiser when it comes to children with cancer, one of the best causes that anyone could have. He's been a champion in that regard. When we're in the New York area during weekends in football season and can see some of the local channels and some of the local coverage, some of the local commercials, how passionate he is about it. I mean, it's heartbreaking for anyone of any age to have to deal with a disease like that, but especially a child to have to go through treatments like that and endure that uncertainty and fear and uh, he's been a, a true, true pioneer among NFL players when it comes to that cause. And, and that, to me, definitely stands out uh, because I think it's something he hasn't gotten enough credit for. And I have a feeling it's something he's going to stay heavily involved in, even in his retirement. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. I mean, he's really made a name for himself up here in the tri-state area with uh, all the work he's done with kids and cancer and everything like that. It's a great cause. You know, Eli's, uh, he's great that way. He really is. He's one of those guys, you meet him, you talk to him for a minute, and you realize he's a good person. He just has good person in his eyes in general when you look into them. And uh, a legend for me, man. I mean, awesome. I mean, Eli Manning, uh, applause. All I can do over here is, is, is chant Eli like the Giant fans always used to. I mean, he was, he was special and fun to watch. Gave me a lot of great memories. You know, the Giants are the team that's truest to my heart. And, uh you know, hey, I love my dad and his career, Eli Manning's career, very special. And he's the, the king quarterback in the history of the New York Giants franchise. And we do have that Eli Manning connection from before we ever even met, where I made a smart aleck remark 
about Eli Manning in the 80s throwback uniforms, and I made some derogatory reference to Phil in reference to the way Eli played that night, and you saw that, and you were upset with me about it. I was, yeah. What a jerk you are. What a jerk. Taking low blows on Big Phil, right below the right. Hitting him below the belt. That's what Mike Florida, copy-paste, copy-paste, snarky comment. That's how I got a little. It's the only place I can hit him. (laughs) He's a giant. (laughs) Yep, but you're right. That'll be, that, that one did. It got me pissed off that one day. It was like a power rankings back in like 2016 or something I found like that. It. The last yeah. time you brought it up, yeah. I found it. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Next week in Miami, our guests include the likes of Brian Dawkins, Dan Marino, Saquon Barkley, Gardner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, Tariq Cohen, and how about Vinny Testaverde? I don't think we've ever interviewed Vinny Testaverde before. We will have him on set next week in Miami, and ultimately it will uh, come. It, it feels like it's never going to arrive, but the Super Bowl will be here before we know it, nine days away. We're going to do a draft today, Big Cat, of MVP candidates other than quarterbacks. So it can be anyone you want other than a quarterback, the most likely MVP candidates. I've got the trivia question. If you get it right, you get the first pick. There are five quarterbacks that have thrown a touchdown pass for both the 49ers and the Chiefs. Five of them. Touchdown pass for the 49ers and the Chiefs. Name three. Alex Smith, Joe Montana, Steve DeBerg, Steve Bono, Elvis Gerback. Oh, God. No one told me the answer to that. the same text message I did. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, Mike. Actually, you don't listen to part of my take because we talked about it on Wednesday's show. It is insane that the 49ers, there was a stretch, I think it was three decades long, where the 49ers, or the Chiefs did not win a football game with a quarterback they drafted, yet they won like 150 games with San Francisco 49er drafted quarterbacks. And also, it's a little shout out to Brody Croyle, who the, 40, the, the Chiefs did draft and went 0-10 in his starts for the Chiefs. So the history between these two franchises and the quarterbacks is very weird, very odd, and I knew that answer. So I will say this. I didn't listen to Wednesday's Pardon My Take, and whoever writes the trivia questions didn't listen either. Or maybe they did. Maybe, they, maybe, maybe I'm the one who's on the wrong side of this grift. All right, you get the first pick. All right. Uh, it is a crazy stat, though. It's very fun to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, okay, my first pick is going to be an easy one. It's Raheem uh, Mostert. He is definitely the far and away, if you're talking about uh, MVP candidates that aren't quarterbacks, he's going to be the guy because if the 49ers win, it's going to be a lot because of what he does running the ball. If he puts in a game like he did, obviously 220 yards was out of this world good, but if you get somewhere around 130, maybe a score or two, and Jimmy Garoppolo only passes the ball 15 times, he's going to be a surefire MVP if the 49ers win this game. So that's the easy number one pick. That already has won me the draft. Now, I don't – well, you, you won the draft because the trivia question was rigged. I'm going with George Kittle because of the credit he'll get for blocking, the overall football vibe that he has, the name recognition, the voters like him, and if they throw the ball at all – He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards. And they've got some plays in the playbook where it can pop 
wide open, and and he's just he's got that tenacity. He's got that that vibe, that personality that plays on a huge stage. And there's going to be a lot of casual football fans just fall in love with the guy next week. And and I just think he's going to be in the front of the minds of the voters, where they're going to pay attention to his blocking. And if he has any reasonable stats, gets a touchdown, 75 or more yards receiving, and the 49ers win, unless Mostert has another gigantic game, Kittle's going to get some votes. Mike, uh, I love I love George Kittle. I love him. Uh, and he's great to watch, fun to watch, fun guy. He's great for football. But let me ask you a question. Trivia question for you, Mike. Who was the last Super Bowl MVP that won Super Bowl MVP because of blocking? You have the answer. Well, I, but he's no, none. The answer is no but, one. But he, no one. But he's no going to get credit. Here's the thing: because we give him so much credit for his blocking, the people who cast the ballots will be thinking, "Well, you know, his numbers aren't great in the passing game. He only had 75 yards and a touchdown, but he's a hell of a blocker." Do you know what happens? Presence. That's you know what happens. Do you know what happens if he blocks well? Raheem Mostert gets the MVP. Yeah, but Tevin Coleman's going to be healthy. Maybe Matt Breida gets the ball. Maybe they maybe they don't overdo it with Raheem Mostert this time around. It's okay. rare for them to go that that all in with one guy. Okay, right, look, uh, look, Mostert. What the hell was I supposed to do? I won I the can't draft. Take Mostert just, again. Just could admit I, could I take that Mostert I won the draft. And make a better point. If you have How a better point, Mostert, if you have a better point, go ahead and make it. Make make your next pick. Take Kittle okay. and make a better point. No. Uh, yeah, I'll take Kittle. I'll make a better point. Uh, this is going to be the the week of George Kittle, Greg Kittle, if we can say his name correctly, because he's the breakout star of the Super Bowl. He's going to be on part of my take. At I already some point said this all week. that. He is going to be the guy that everyone's talking about. It's going to be the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle thing, and I think that he'll be in the front of the minds of all the voters when they're casting that ballot on Sunday night. That's exactly what I just said. All right, That's my next exactly pick. what I said. My next pick right. is going to be Tyron Matthew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Honey Badger because he is a well-known name. If he can get an interception, if, you know, the, the 49ers are going to run it as much as we think they are, and he's got to be, you know, coming downhill, getting a bunch of tackles, I think he is uh, going to be the guy, non-QB guy, that can win this MVP because of how well-known he is and because of the ability. He's going to have to make a lot of plays in this game for the Chiefs to be to win this game and the Chiefs to be good in this game. So I think he is uh, my number two pick. It's easy. He's the number two pick. I'm dominating this draft. Eric Kendricks is the right guy in the right place at the right time, defender in the Vikings system, and he could have had three interceptions of Jimmy Garoppolo two weeks ago. Tyron Matthew is clearly the right guy in the right place at the right time, member of the Chiefs defense. He, you, you never know where he's going to be. You never know where he's going to pop up. He's kind of like Troy Polamalu. I always thought quarterbacks held onto the ball a little bit longer than they wanted to because you had to be damn sure that Troy Polamalu wasn't going to pop up and jump the ball and grab the ball when you throw it. And I think Matthew has that quality. And I think if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to turn the ball over, it's going to be to Tyron Matthew. So you took my second pick. Uh, if So, yeah, I could have taken him first, I guess. I could have taken him instead of Greg Kittle. I'll take Nick Bosa as my second ah. pick. And uh, this this one's simple because if the, if the 49ers win at some point, Somebody's going to have to make a play on Patrick Mahomes. Somebody's going to have to sack him. And of any of the guys on that front four, Nick Bosa is the one who can do it. And Nick Bosa is going to get the attention. He's got the name recognition. If they have a big game out of that front four, he's going to get the credit for it. And he's got the potential to be the MVP. Okay. 
Decent pick. Decent pick. That's it for the best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. I'm Mike Florio. We'll see you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.